You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome in. Jeremy Kahn here in for Nick Costas today and tomorrow. Ken Barkley here as always. Uh, it's You Better You Bet right here on the BetQL Network brought to you by BetMGM. All right, lots to go over. Again, before we get to, like, you know, last night's All-Star game, you and I were talking a little little golf today, and I was telling you, I really don't play. It's the one thing that all my friends are trying to get me to do since I gave up all the other sports, and I don't know that it's for me. You know, like, I, I actually had fun the time I was out, and I probably would have more fun if I would go out, but I'm very competitive, and I would just lose my mind with how bad I would be um out there i think personally but it is a frustrating sport and an enjoyable one as well yeah it's just it's just funny uh you know i it's funny like basically everybody on our crew plays like that's on the crew today and uh actually alex i don't know if you play you can type in the chat whether you play or not uh but like jake plays tyler plays i play i don't i don't think any of us are particularly good I might be the worst of the three of us, actually. And, uh, but yeah, it's just funny. It's all, it's just the thing that always strikes me is like you can be like a huge muscular person, but generate. So I, I play with my brother in law sometimes. He like played lacrosse in college, played football, like built and, Mm -hmm. and still does like CrossFit and stuff. So, you know, like someone who like strength wise should be able to do quite well in most things. And, uh, last year I played with him a few times and it's just like, you can't, you can't generate any distance. <laughs> like he pops yeah. the ball up in the air. He like can't control everything. And, uh, like his, like all the dynamics of his swing are all jacked up and he, uh, he's a terrible tempo, which is so important. And, uh, and then, you know, I can play with, you know, it's like the group ahead of me the other day was like a 12 year old. And this kid is just like jamming. I mean, he is because he, he's able to really? generate like a ton of swing speed. He was pretty tall and lanky, so he was able to get this like really full rotation on most of his clubs. And he really knew what he was doing. It was like actually pretty impressive. And but that's the it's just, you know, it. Yes, it has to do with how strong you are. Like, obviously, you know, if you're going to be on the PGA Tour and you bulk up a lot, you'll be able to generate a ton of swings like club head speed, which will be better than not doing that. But if you're just like a casual everyday golfer then like the type of your your body type your age your whatever doesn't necessarily dictate how far you can hit the ball how good you are definitely not whether you can hit it straight or not so it just it's it's kind of a funny game for that reason like if we if we all played basketball there would be some immediate disqualifying things when you would look at people yeah. where you'd be like okay like there's a, an i already know what the hierarchy is to a certain extent and uh and with golf that's not true that's one of that's maybe that's like something that most people are like yeah duh but i always just strikes me as interesting i think tennis is one of those sports too if the kids are starting early what because like as soon as you said a 12 year old was out there if i get out somewhere and a 12 year old's beat me in anything i'm done i'm leaving (laughs) 
It's just, yes. I'm not and playing golf, anymore. And golf, that's totally I, possible, by the way. Yes. Golf, it is absolutely yeah. possible. Because uh, I still like to I think want... if I went back to Little League, I'd dominate right now. You know, like, right. I'd just be crushing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. You know, Baseball I'd be hitting home be... runs like Jake. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I don't know if baseball is exactly one of those things because there's probably some age barrier uh, <laughs> going up where, you know, like, you you know, 12-year-olds become better than us probably at some point because they just play more often, repetition. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you play tennis? Is that why you brought that up? Well, I was just thinking about it because um, I'm actually watching a show uh, on on Peacock, but I was thinking about the tennis aspect of it and with Wimbledon and everything going on, that that's a sport where you see a lot of, like, young kids, and I think that age range, like, 12 to 15 is where they really start building and get good, you know, and and I just think some of those kids are – it's kind of an athletic sport where they could play with somebody and not get embarrassed. Maybe get overpowered if somebody does play, but – other than that, I still think it's something they could play. And with, with tennis and with golf, like, I mean, the thing you and I, we talk all the time, I, we both watch a lot of documentaries. So I watched like a bunch of tennis stuff at the start of the summer. I just went on a kick where I watched, you know, like the new episodes of Breakpoint came out. And mm-hmm. I watched this documentary about Marty Fish, this like American player who had kind of like a nervous breakdown. He's like best friends with Andy Roddick. Uh, that was one of the Netflix like exclusive ones and watched another tennis thing too, which was really good. I know I can't remember what it is, but like the thing that comes across in those stories. And then I finished the tiger documentary last night on HBO. Finally, I watched part two, which I was from, you know, four years ago, whatever. But, uh, the thing that obviously hits you in all of that stuff is just like the amount of drilling and practice and drilling and practice and drilling and practice and and repetition um, in both of those sports. And it would be true in other sports too, but the the golf and tennis are individual sports as opposed to team sports. So maybe it just stands out a little bit more. It's a little bit different. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I could never do that. Now, obviously it's like your parents are going to have a big role in, in whether you Mm -hmm. take that approach or not. And they could just mold you. If you, like I say, I wouldn't do that, but probably because my parents didn't want me to do that. Uh, It's tough to put myself in that, in that mind state of like, and I, cause even like with betting, like, let's say that's, that's me with betting. I, I couldn't drill and practice. Like I, I would still have to turn my brain off sometimes and not do it. Or I'd have to have a day off or I'd have to have this yeah. time of year. I'm less plugged in than I probably should be. So what's going on? Like I couldn't even do it with the thing I'm most passionate about. And these guys are able to just, I mean, it's the amount of work is, uh, is staggering for both sports. How, like, all right. So let me throw this to you because the mental aspect of it. I heard um, Derek Jeter last night talking about uh, Shohei Otani, and one of his biggest takeaways from like pitching and hitting and all the stuff he's doing is that like if you're a starting pitcher, good or bad, you've got you know a couple of days to kind of mentally get prepared for your next start. Whereas he doesn't even have that. It's like, hey, I'm going out and I'm hitting the next day and I'm playing in the field, or you know maybe he gets a chance to DH if he's resting up. Um, which I, I thought was interesting just to hear a lot of guys talk about him. And there's a, t- a ton of takeaways from the All-Star game last night. But but I do think that's an intriguing part of it, the mental aspect, because, you know, we always get into that great debate of how important is that? Or do you do you consider poker players athletes? Do you consider – like the mental aspect is something that I think we don't factor in enough. And when you brought up the Marty Fish thing, like to me, that it's a little bit more than just mental. But that was a beautiful documentary on a guy that's – struggling and you would never know he's struggling unless he told you 
or right. you, know, you was, could see him break down. Tiger was the same way. I mean, the part two of the Tiger doc is essentially about how he's, I, even the people in the in the documentary do a great job detailing. He's essentially leading, you know, seven lives at the same time. And one of them is the golfer. That's only one of them though. And yeah. you, they do the great job. I mean, as all HBO documentaries typically do, just the like uh, artistic nature of the camera work is always really good in those versus a lot of other documentaries where, you know, the camera work is more clunky and it tells the story, but they're not, necessarily doing anything artistic in the tiger one there's you know he's he's having an affair with you know dozens of women and like a couple specifically are like very important to him while he's married while he's the number one golfer in the world and the, these like really tight shots of him with these like pensive expressions in these like key moments and it really it was just it was like powerful because you you just really understand that like man you know, you would see that shot on the CBS telecast during the tournament. You would think nothing of it other than he's just a very focused golfer. And you see it with all of that background. And it, it's the shots like hit, like you're really, you're affected by them when you watch them and the Marty Fish thing that you brought up. And for people who don't know, he's an uh, American tennis player. Uh, got up to like top 20, 30 in the world. Um, you know, was not like a huge prospect, but basically like lived with Andy Roddick and Andy Roddick's parents and like was Andy Roddick's like hitting partner at first when Roddick ascended to be really good. And then Marty Fish kind of like became good eventually also, but was dealing with like an ang severe anxiety disorder, didn't know it and had a diagnosis mm -hmm. eventually, but same kind of thing, right? Like he comes out for a final, you're like, oh man, he might be nervous for this final. Actually, kind of a lot of other stuff going on. And you don't, obviously you don't yeah. know that. Um, yeah, the, the mental the, the mental aspect of it, you brought up poker. The World Series is obviously going on right now for people who are watching it. The main event's going on right now. It's like day five or six. I think I was watching some of the coverage last night. And yeah, so I, I think, you know, you, you make a good point. Do I consider poker players athletes? No, but I, I do get yeah. your point that sort of like games, any games player, um, and you could maybe put everything under that umbrella. You could even put like to a certain extent, there's like aspects of sports betting, I guess, where you would say that where like you are, you are playing a game against other people, you're competing for who can find the best number on things or who can find off market stuff before other people can find it. Um, so there is definitely some crossover there. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, interesting enough. And um, since we were talking documentaries, and I'm actually wearing my Mo Strong shirt, which I don't know how many people know the story, but it's it's really cool. And if you haven't seen this doc, it's on YouTube. It's called Gift of Gabba, G-A-B-A. And it won two sports Emmys uh, and beat Kobe Bryant posthumously, um, which I'm still pretty proud of. And I know you you, you had some time at ESPN, right, Ken? Yep. Um, the way that they did their – so this is like a 14-minute little piece that they – well, the Net, NFL Network did the 14-minute piece on it. ESPN did another one that was about six minutes. You may have even sure. seen this and not even known it. Um, but Mo was a kid that was born um, blind. Uh, they found out some issues with him, battled cancer four times. And now the Ravens paint the MO in Baltimore in the end zone a different color. I got a street named after him. I gave him my radio show one night. And it's actually kind of one of the reasons why I'm actually doing stuff with BetQL. Because somebody in the company was driving down on the 4th of July. We did it July 2nd and heard it and, you know, kind of talked. It, it really is a really good documentary. Like, even though it's only 14 minutes and tells this kid's story, um, I'm in it. But it's it's kind of cool because that's. Like seeing the way these documentaries are put together, I now have a new appreciation because I recorded with <laughs> I recorded with these guys for like three hours, and I end up in the documentary for about forty seconds. Right, um, that's what you, you figure know, out. Like it's, the more that you learn about this well, stuff, yeah, absolutely, I totally agree. The the cutting room floor and what they what they eliminate, but you're so right with how it's 
directed and recorded and it's things that we kind of like look past but it's such an important aspect to really draw you know kind of drawing you in and this story is incredible so um but yeah like i, I love documentaries so anyway what uh, what something. else did you make a what else did you make of the we had like three minutes left in the segment what else did you make of the game last night i the the mvp ended up that ended up being like a uh, a moment of clairvoyance by me in terms of yeah. like a handicapping concept and it didn't have to be that way a starter could have won the award but i think it's just like I, I wish there was a way to take the approach that i detailed and like lock into things that were definitely valuable it just i mean to be fair like if, let's like let's say you took that approach okay um you know longest price as possible on realistic bench players who can come in for either side longest price as possible uh you would have hit on ds like that would have been a hit like it's just i mean it, he would have was basically the longest price on the board almost and someone who could have come in and played now like did i bet him no did i watch the game last night no um but if you took that approach it is possible you could have come up with him and then you know next year it could be a starter and for the next five years it could be starters just another what i would say is just another example last night of how very random that award is and so when we get to next year and Otani and Aaron Judge is probably going to be playing in the game that time. And, you know, Mike Trout's probably going to be playing in the game that time. And wherever the game is, the guy who's the hometown guy will become one of the just all of that for baseball tends to be more noise than anything else. And to just really like just grab long prices on realistic guys who are going to be in the game ever. And you know, like you could have, you actually could have come up with Diaz. That's the funny thing. Like, oh, it's so such a big price, so random. Well, that's kind of the point of the award. You know, it's half yeah. the time it's a bench player. So um, we had another data point of that occurring last night. Yeah, and, and I, I felt like, and how we kind of broke down the game too, because there's no real advantage. Like there's, um, as far as like, so, like I would say total, we were saying like, look, you lean the under, but let's be honest, that game could have gotten really weird. I think the shadows helped out for the first two innings. Ronald Acuna Jr. hits one to the wall, uh, you know, that crazy catch because of the sun and everything else going with, who was it? Was that Garcia with the first one and then a Rosarina with the second one right after? But, like, it's just how different the game could be because, you know, one of those is missed. That could change the scoring in the game. Um, you know, one base hit or one home run changes how we view it from a total standpoint or from a side, and there's really no rhyme or reason. So I thought you kind of nailed it with talking about the MVP and the variance that could happen. Why not just take a couple of shots on some of the long shots for that? Um, and the game really was like the only interesting thing to talk about is the fact that the players mic'd up. And as a baseball fan, I loved it. As a gambler, don't mic up my pitcher. <laughs> don't, right. don't mic him up. You know, like I, I don't <laughs> stop talking to like I'm yelling at the sure. TV. Shut up. Stop talking to him, you know. Um, but Nathan Avaldi was great. Yeah, that was I know that was one of the stories that he was awesome. And it's, it's funny because so yesterday's show in the final hour, we make this comparison between betting the All-Star game and betting uh, the Rockets Thunder Summer League game. Right. And it, it yeah. it's not that the game either game could have played out and however it was going to play out, it could have played out in a million different ways. But it was just, yeah, just the sort of from a betting standpoint. Yeah, just I. I don't know how you come to any it's just it was tough to come to any other conclusion other than just like well the all-star game seems either the market's correct or it's like too random for me to try to figure out what to bet into and then you know like tyler comes back i get a text from a friend at six o'clock hey like the thunder's sitting everybody line crashes still closes with the thunder as a favorite rockets smash in the game win the game outright actually creates like some really interesting summer league outright uh, futures markets which maybe we'll talk about at some point but just yeah, just the difference in those two things, right? Like, I think a lot of people like to pay attention to the big event going on, 
so many betting markets, props, fun things. How do I bet on that? And then like, meanwhile, there's this sneaky other game over here where it's like, oh, actually something like very meaningful and the market is like in motion and no one knows what the number is supposed to be. It's almost like one is really interesting from a sports standpoint and the other is very interesting from a betting standpoint and they both happen last night. Absolutely. Uh, hey, look, it's fun stuff to talk about. And even when you're telling people like, hey, there's no rhyme or reason for this, look at something else. And then they still want to bet the game. But we're going to get into that MLB win totals. We got a lot coming up on the show. So make sure you stay tuned. More Jeopardy, all that stuff and more right here on the BetQL Network. It's You Better You Bet brought to you by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network.